Platform listeners, Rachel from Clavu here. Clavu has recently helped Puma increase search-led conversion by 53%. We've also just introduced a host of new features as part of the Clavu AI product discovery suite. Get a demo at clavu.com. Whoop, whoop. News alert. Very important update to add just before you listen to this episode. So when we originally recorded this a few days back, uh, we talked uh, with our guests today a lot about the UK September date for the, um, uh, the the implementation of PSD2. However, we've had some very interesting uh, news come out literally in the last couple of days. And this is from the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority. And that statement is, We have extended our deadline for implementing strong customer authentication, SCA, for e-commerce transactions to 14th March 2022. So brand new update to it, which means the dates we reference in the podcast are now out of date. And this is why it's so important to keep on top of the news. But with that in mind, we hope you really enjoy today's update with Adjet. Hello and welcome back to the Re-Platform Podcast. It's myself, James Gerd, and I'm flying solo today. My co-host, Paul Rogers, is out and about having exciting adventures. Um, We've got a really important topic uh, we're coming back to today. So we are continuing our compliance series, and we're focusing now around the, the payments industry and payment compliance. And some of you will have listened to a previous episode we did with Adyen back in 2020 around PSD2, what it is, what it means. So what we want to do is come back to that now because lots have changed in the last 12 months. Um, you know, there's uh, there's been rollouts of the, the compliance regulations. There were inevitable delays in terms of, of when it came into effect in different markets. So we want to go back and speak to the experts within Adyen and find out where things are at, what are the implications, what do e-commerce businesses need to think about, what the future looks like. So delighted today to welcome back uh, Fred Potter. So hi, Fred, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, James. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us for another episode. Um, so I'll let, so let me just set you up um, um, for an instruction, then you can tell people um, what you really do. So um, we were just laughing about this. You are described on LinkedIn as product. So you are the product, which is great. So um, can you explain to people what it is you really do for Adyen then? Yeah, no problem. So uh, I work on the product team, um, essentially focused on product growth. So a lot of my role in the last uh, 12 to 16 months has been working with uh, our e-commerce merchants here in the UK, but also globally, um, specifically looking at things like PSD2 and the rollout of authentication across Europe. Wonderful, thank you. I just when I read when I read your LinkedIn description, I just had you down as some sentient AI somewhere that was just overseeing it all. Also, that I also do that. <laughs> the the future, the future, um, fantastic. So we're going to you know the format. We we had a really good conversation last year around this, so it's time to get grilling on the questions. Are you ready? Absolutely. Fantastic. So let's let's start with the basics again, because there will be um, new new listeners to the podcast and people who might not be as familiar with the payments directors of PSD2. So can you give people a refresh? What is PSD2 and what is the purpose behind it? Yeah, no problem. So PSD2 stands for the Second Payment Service Directive. So it's essentially a chunk of regulation that's administered by the European Commission. And what it does in effect is it requires online transactions and also in-store transactions uh, that take place within European economic area to go through an additional step of authentication described as strong customer authentication, which you'll hear abbreviated to SCA a lot. So for card-based payments, this will be two factors. So you'll be using two factors to authenticate yourself. uh, So something you know 
something you own and something you are, two of those three factors. And the transactions that are in scope of this regulation will be those where the shop is issuing bank, uh, so the bank that is issuing your uh, debit or credit card, and the merchant acquirer, so the payment provider of that merchant, are both located within the European Economic Area. And oh, I can give more detail about this later, but certain transactions will be out of scope of the regulation, so they won't need to be authenticated. And then others can be exempt. So in certain scenarios, they won't need to go through in others that they will. So that's a, a summary of PSD2 and, and, and essentially where it applies. Fantastic. Thanks. Um, and then another kind of foundational question. Um, what are the key implications for e-commerce businesses? Is this changing something fundamentally? Essentially, it will mean that e-commerce businesses will probably see more authentication uh, taking place on their payments, which in theory can lead to higher customer friction and drop off and you know, loss of revenue. But it really depends on a few different factors to see you know, that will determine how much um, impact there will be from this regulation on the merchant themselves. So the first one will be, you know, the type of business that the merchant runs. So subscription businesses, for example, um, will need to authenticate customers that sign up, but then all um, recurring transactions, so all of the, the future subscriptions won't need to go through authentication. Point of sale merchants, for example, will suffer less because the chip and pin is, is a way to authenticate in the store itself. And also businesses that already do a lot of authentication. So there are some e-commerce businesses who will proactively request authentication on most of their transactions today. They'll see little impact to the regulation, obviously, because, because they're already doing that. So there are a few different factors that really will determine how much impact this regulation will have on each business. I think the second thing to note here is that the regulation is being enforced across Europe at, at different times. So if you are a global e-commerce business, um, you know, working across Europe, then the impact might be larger because you're having to control more markets at once. So all of those factors really go into sort of determining the level of impact. Fantastic. Thanks. Nice and clear explanation. So... We, we talked about this in a bit more detail in the last episode. So what we want to look at is how things have moved on. So can you just talk people through how have things progressed since we last spoke, uh, which I think was right at the end of 2019? Um, what's the current status in the UK and Europe? Yeah, it's good. It's good to split it out um, because essentially the timeline for enforcement is different depending on the country that we're looking at. So most countries in the European Economic Area had an enforcement timeline of January the 1st. So some, some countries had, an, had already announced before that date that they would have stage rollouts. So, you know, going from January all the way through to sort of March and April time. Some of them hadn't announced anything. So we really sort of weren't entirely sure what to expect come January the 1st. Um, to explain a little bit what we mean here by enforcement is... Um, enforcement of PSD2 typically comes in the form of uh, transactions, e-commerce transactions that didn't go through any layer of authentication being rejected with a soft decline. So a soft decline is essentially the bank coming back and saying, we need this transaction to go through authentication, um, so you need to retry it. So on January the 1st, I'm glad to say that we did see um, quite gradual enforcement from most countries. So it wasn't this kind of, you know, Turn, turn the taps on and, and start rejecting all transactions that some people feared. As we sit here today, 
um, you know, in, in sort of middle of the May, middle of May time, most countries in Europe, uh, in the European economic area, have started enforcing, including major markets such as you know, France, Spain, Germany. But predominantly, this is on higher value transactions. So we're not seeing it as much on, on transactions between sort of zero and, say, 100 euro equivalent. And if you look at the UK, they, before January 1st, had already announced their own timeline that deviated from most countries in Europe. And this is on course for um, to be fully enforced by September this year. So enforcement will start around due time and ramp up to September this year. And so you just said that the enforcement has started and it's been primarily focused on like um, high transaction values. Could you talk us through some of the insights you've gleaned in the EU territories and what, what, what has been learned? Like, have there been any high profile um, cases of people being penalised? Um, are there teething problems that we can learn from? Yeah, I think we've certainly learned a lot so far from this rollout. Um, if I think it's probably handy to categorise it in, into some of the unfortunate behavior that we've seen and then some of the positives so i'll start i'll start with the bad um we've seen a lot of incidents since the rollout of psc2 so incidents in the forms of you know soft declines being uh, sent back for transactions that have already been authenticated which you know obviously doesn't make any sense we've seen soft declines on subscription payments you know where the customer is not actually able to authenticate themselves so these kinds of incidents um We've seen quite a lot of since, since the rollout of PSU2, and obviously, um, you know, it, it does cause impact for, for the merchants um, because there's not, not a terrible amount that they or us can do. Another, another slight negative is that the coverage and the conversion for um, 3D Secure Protocol 2, which is the new, way to, new version of authentication, is still low across the European economic area. So we're still seeing the predominance of 3DS1 um, across, across the market. And then finally, we've seen exemptions. So exemptions are essentially a way that merchants can avoid authentication um, if a transaction meets certain criteria points. And we've been using exemptions on behalf of our merchants to avoid authentication. And unfortunately, some issuers still in Europe are um, you know, essentially rejecting these, these exemptions. And we've seen poor conversion when these exemptions are in the payment request. But I'm glad to say that's still a minority of, of issuing banks. Okay. And now, sorry, 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 carry on. I, I, I was just going to move on to the positives, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but we have seen, you know, as I said before, exemptions have, have been primarily beneficial um, for merchants. So we have seen them reduce the instances of authentication, and we have seen a lot of these incidents dissipate. So these most of our recorded incidents were in the first three or four weeks of enforcement. So January and you know into February, these are really slowed down as issuers have learned from their mistakes. So that that's a real benefit. Um, and then the UK as a market is 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 in a really good position compared to the rest of Europe because we already have good industry bodies and communication between all the players in the payment space. Okay, fantastic. And you talked about exemption, and obviously there's valid cases. So apart from subscription, where you've already got the authentication up front, what else? Could you give an example to e-commerce teams? What's a valid exemption where you don't need to apply these additional um, screening? So exemptions can be applied uh, for well a total of five reasons. Um, the, the most common ones are low-value exemptions. So they are exemptions on transactions, anything of you know, any transaction value that's thirty euros. Um, or equivalent or, or less. There's also a transaction risk analysis, as I mentioned, called TRA. 
and that will essentially be applied for and it, it depends the, the amount or the value of the um that that transaction can be applied on um will depend on the fraud level of the issuing bank so for Adyen, we're currently applying it on transactions below 100 euros or equivalent and then one exemption that's not being commonly used yet by the issuing bank community but will become very prevalent in the next six to 12 months is the uh, trust list exemption. So where if I'm a shopper and I shop at a retailer very frequently, then after a, after an authentication, I can choose to add that retailer to a trust list. And then the next time that I shop at that retailer, then any transaction I make on, on that website can be exempt. Um, and there, there are a couple of others um, that are going to be less less relevant, I think, as, as the um, as the rollout continues. Excellent. Yeah, really useful examples. Thanks. And yeah, you talked about soft declines being one of the the uh, kind of little um, bugs that have been discovered in some of the EU territories. Well, do you know what's caused it? Is it is it integration issues from the client side where they just haven't set it up and uh, and integrated correctly with the payment um, providers, or is it incorrect responses coming back from the issuing banks? What could we learn from it, if anything? I think so, so soft declines are a completely valid response in, in certain scenarios. So if the customer's on the checkout and no authentication is used, then you know, a bank can and should soft decline in a lot of cases. The soft declines that we've seen where, you know, that have caused issues are where the customer's not present. It might be on a subscription payment or, or the transaction might have already gone through authentication. So you can't soft decline it or you, or you shouldn't be soft declining it. Um, we, we've learned, I think, that it's really important to have a good open line of communication between uh, the merchants, us as the payment gateway and acquirer, um, all the way through to the issuing banks. Um, and that's predominantly done through the scheme, so MasterCard, Visa, American Express, um, and, and, and making sure that we're recording and tracking these incidents and closing them off um, one by one. And I think though that that kind of proactive behavior is really important if we're going to avoid large-scale impact for merchants and yeah and we you also talked about enforcement having started in the eu how heavily is it being enforced like have we seen any big high-profile cases are there any big penalties being handed out um I'm, i'm glad to say i haven't heard of any penalties at this stage i think um you know the typical typical enforcers here at european commission and the schemes themselves I think they understand the, you know, humongous changes that all of the players in the payment space have been required to go through. So I think there's a little bit of leniency at, at this stage. What I would say in terms of the levels of enforcement is, you know, before the rollout of PSC2, there are a lot of predictions around, you know, what percentage of transactions are going to be required to go through um, authentication. You know, some predictions of 70%, some predictions of none, you know, up to 4%. Um, what we've kind of seen, I think, up until now is that there's there's probably quite a big variety depending on multiple factors. The first is the country. Um, you know, so some countries are enforcing more than others. The second is the type of transaction itself. So lower value transactions are obviously much less likely to be enforced than higher value transactions. But if you look at it as a kind of like, you know, quite a, a rough estimate of what percentage of transactions you might expect to go through authentication if you were doing none at a, you know, none today to do at all as an e-commerce merchant, it might be in the region of sort of 10 to 30%. Um, so that that's the kind of estimate that we've we've been noticing across across Europe. 
And you said earlier it's due to start rolling out in the UK from June onwards through to September. What is the plan? What can e-commerce merchants expect? So for the UK, um, the current plan is yeah to start enforcing in June and then a steady ramp up throughout you know July, August, and September. So really by the end of September, um, we would expect most large issuing banks in the UK to be enforcing authentication. Um, on you know at least a percentage of their transaction, but obviously these things are really hard to predict because ultimately it's going to vary by bank and it's also going to vary by the transaction types of of merchants. But we do recommend for any merchant you know to to be absolutely ready. You need to be able to work with a provider that can apply authentication dynamically. So as a retailer, you shouldn't be left with the binary choice of well, I either have to apply authentication on all my transactions, you know, to be ready and, and risk, obviously, customer conversion loss and, and drop in sales. Or, you know, the alternative is, well, I don't apply any authentication at all um, and risk being soft declined a lot. So, we, you know, it's really important that those uh, retailers work with a provider that can help them apply SEA when they need to, um, to kind of manage the impact of the rollout um, in as frictionless way as possible. Yeah, and you, you've talked about some of the potential risks of merchants not being ready, such as you know, drops in conversion because of declines. Is, is the primary risk that you see for an e-commerce retailer that side of it, that basically you could end up uh, turning down uh, decent orders and losing customers? Or is the risk of penalty higher? It feels like the former is the biggest risk to an e-commerce team. Yeah, I think so. So the regulation is, is really directed towards um, issuing banks. So issuing banks are really the ones that are, uh, are the ones that have to, you know, prompt SCA and, and the ones that have to force authentication. Um, the biggest risk for banks is, is exactly that: if they don't comply, then they will see a drop in um, conversion because you know they'll be forced to use authentication and they might not be able to. Um, or they might use too much authentication. Um, so yeah, that that's really kind of the the biggest risk for for retailers. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, do you do you have any like shining light examples from Europe of here's here's a retailer with an e-commerce site that's doing it really well and it's it's fr- it's as frictionless as it can be and the checkout experience is pretty smooth. Um, there's quite quite a few. I think um, if you look. Uh, so there are lots of uh, I won't I won't mention names, but um, on on demand delivery, uh, especially of food. So lots of companies that have um, high volume of customer initiated transactions. So the customers, you know, often on the checkout or on the app itself, um, and they're using exemptions very effectively to avoid authentication, um, because obviously they're very high volume of transactions, but they tend to have much lower. Um, transaction values themselves so the low value exemption becomes really important in avoiding authentication and so far that that's worked really well but it the strategy that each merchant takes really depends on the, their type of business and for anyone anyone listening who thinks they've got low value transactions and think oh well great i can just use exemptions what what is the official definition is is there an easy definition that says okay it's it's below a certain price point um or is it based on risk category of product it's based on price points so anything below 30 euros or equivalent can qualify and um, there are two problems with it what one that it, it requires um authentication every fifth attempt 
Um, so, and that's why that could be um, across different merchants. So you as a merchant might get really unlucky and always get the customer's fifth attempt. So have to authenticate anyway. Um, the other problem with low value exemption is not all issuers would accept it. So, you know, it's it's always the issuer's final say as to whether they accept the exemption or not. So I've heard a lot of misinformation amongst retailers that say, oh, I'll just use low value exemption and never have to authenticate. That's really not the case for those two reasons. I think that's a really important point for people to take away from that is that you, and then we, we touched on this in the, the previous episode with you about the need to audit your payment estate and understand what what, what people are doing, uh, what issues you're using, what payment providers you're using. I think that's a really important it, point. And to have a you know multi-pronged strategy as well. So low value is not the only exemption. There are, there are multiple others. And if you, you should be working with a provider that can dynamically apply those and that can recognise, you know, even better if you can recognise which what preference that particular issuer has to a certain exemption, then even better. Then you know that issuers that don't tend to accept low value, but this one might accept a transaction risk analysis exemption, for example. So there, there are multiple, um, you know, merchants should have multiple avenues for avoiding authentication, um, not just to rely on one. Yeah, and, and actually it leads me on to another question. So that this would be useful for people um, listening in terms of understanding what a platform like Adyen does versus what the merchant does. So could you give people a bit of clarification? Like what, what onus is on uh, like retailers to do things to be ready versus what they should be setting up via a payment gateway? So it really depends on the retailer and, and the gateway, obviously. Um, it, some retailers will want to retain full control. Um, over their you know exemption policy and maybe the their three D secure policy, which is absolutely fine. So you know, I and and on the acquirer and gateway side, I can only talk for Agen. So the way that we shaped our product is really to um, essentially allow merchants or retailers to um, use authentication when they deem necessary. So that might be for higher risk or high value transactions, and for everything else. So for all the other transactions, they don't want to go through authentication. We will do our, you know, we'll use our product to 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 best avoid it if we need to. So that means using exemptions dynamically. It means skipping through to secure if we need to. Um, and when we do need to authenticate, so you know, either because the merchant wants to or because the bank forces it, we have version control. So we use version one and version two of three to secure, and we use the version that we see have the best conversion for that particular bank. So in a nutshell, that, that's what we can provide um, retailers, but it's really important that they work with their current provider to understand, you know, out of those key um, activities, you know, exemptions and treaty secure, which ones sit with the retailer, so which ones they need to control themselves and which ones their provider can do for them. Yeah, exactly. And, and it obviously links in with their own internal risk profiles because some businesses are more risk averse and therefore more strenuous in 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 how they apply screening uh, and less liable to let people off on exemptions. Exactly. Yeah. Um, here's here's a nice question for you, right? Given how long it has been to, to get where we are today, because this is a complex set of regulations and it's a, an industry that touches so many uh, different businesses. Like, do you expect June September date to be hit in the UK? I think, in a word, yes. We've seen delays already. Um, you know, September 2019 was the original date. And then we saw the 
um, you know, the dates start to be enforced this year in Europe and there, another delay was strongly discussed, but it, it was decided to, that it, it wouldn't be put in place. And I think in the UK, um, it might not be, you know, all issuers um, strongly enforcing this in September, but it, you certainly are not going to see um, an official delay, I don't think, in the UK. Um, so we will, by the end of the year, be within full enforcement here. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny, isn't it, how long it's taken to get to this point, but I guess things that are that complex involving so many different parties with different interests it is a challenge. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and especially, I think, um, COVID adds a really kind of interesting dynamic to it because there's the element of, cus- you know, there were, there were voices in the industry that said that there are customers who um, might need to make essential payments and might get blocked through authentication. So it's been yeah. a really interesting debate, but I, it does look like the enforcement will go ahead. And what would your highlights be for, for UK merchants, um, you know, who are uh, you know, thinking about what, what the impact is for their business? What can they learn from Europe? I think that really we've seen um, we've seen Europe. I think the, the rollout has been um, rocky, as, as I mentioned. You know, there have been some some bad incidents, but there have been a lot of positives from it as well. I think the, the one of the advantages the UK has is that we have um, good organisations that sit in the middle between sort of merchants, acquirers, and, and banks. So UK finance being one, and they really help facilitate the debate and. You know, right down to the granularity of well, you know, why why are these authentications failing? And you know, opening up that debate between each organisation. So the UK is in a strong position for that reason. And I think the other thing that the UK has in its advantage is we've seen three D Secure two, so that you know the new authentication protocol being more widely used amongst issuing banks than in Europe. And generally, when three D Secure two is used correctly, we we see an overall conversion improvement. So, you know, those, those two factors really go into sort of putting the UK in, in an advantageous position versus, versus Europe. But it would be fair to say that we probably still expect some hiccups along the road. Yeah, okay, nice summary. And Yeah, I mean, privacy and security is, is so prominent in the media as well, and I think people are taking it more seriously, that, that sometimes having additional steps, even that might seem to add friction, gives more reassurance as well. And reassurance can be just as important at driving conversion as removing steps. Absolutely, and I, I think if you, you know, if you go back to, uh, we've been so deep in the regulation for the last year and a half, well, more than that, three years, four years. Um, I think we sort of, forget the reason why this regulation was put in in place in the first place and the idea really is to reduce the instance of fraud in the e-commerce payment space and ultimately increase the confidence consumer confidence in car payments online payments and if we can do that um, without removing or, or without increasing customer friction and, and reducing conversion too much then it would have been a really successful project um, the problem being that I think the payments industry is so fragmented and there are so many players at every step and every player is, is asked to make a quite substantial technological changes and they're asked you know, to standardise their processes end to end that it's taken a lot much, much longer than it maybe, maybe anyone thought it would have at the start. But if we do manage to get there, it would have been a really you know, positive thing for the payments industry on the whole. 
another any early signs from the data coming out of uh, of Europe in terms of um, fraud rates falling through use of um, the new authentication? I think with 3D Secure 2, um, I think there generally does tend to be um, pretty high security on it because, um, well, let me put it this way. The authentication methods that are being used currently with 3D Secure 2, a lot of them are one-time passwords delivered via text, which have you know reasonable security but are still susceptible um, to, to fraudulent attacks. Where the industry will get to eventually is they'll start using um, biometric information, so you know maybe your, your face ID or, or fingerprint, alongside you know another one of those other factors of authentication. And when that's used properly, and you know, and those um, controls can build up a really strong picture of who you are as, as a customer, fraud will definitely reduce. I think it's probably a little bit too early to say. Um, what effects the role has had on the overall fraud in the industry at this point. Okay, fantastic. Um, it's been been really, really useful. It's been great to have a, a catch. It's always enjoyable uh, listening to you chat about uh, the payment industry, Fred. Um, so thank you very much for joining us today. Great. No, it's been really fun. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such an important area. Compliance is so critical to all businesses and it's, I guess it, I think you, you touched on it earlier. It's not just about avoiding a penalty. It's about protecting your business, you know, um, reassuring customers that you've got the right security, helping reduce fraud rates so you don't, you're not losing money unnecessarily. So I think it's really important that people understand this and they feel confident they're prepared. And if not, that they go and seek the resources to do that. And I know you've got a lot of resources on your website. Are there any specific like papers or guides that you would uh, recommend people reading if they want to, to get more info? Yeah, we've got so we've got a compliance guide. So if you go into Agent Docs, um, you can read a, a really comprehensive guide that um, you know looks at what type of business you are and how PSD two will affect you depending on the type of you know type of transactions that you submit. And it has lots of links to the actual regulation itself. Um, so I'd really recommend that merchants start with that um, before going into the more heavy stuff, which is you know, there is kind of European Commission um, technical standards and so on. But really, it's it's the gateway and acquirer. So the providers that those retailers are working with, they should be able to provide most of the guidance um, as to how, you know, if, if any changes are required to their current setup. Fantastic. And if, if anybody wants to reach out to, to Agen and contact you um, to discuss any potential projects or needs, um, how do they get hold of you? Fred at agen.com. Um, is a pretty simple way. Nice, uh, nice and easy to remember. Um, brilliant. So thanks as always to everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. I hope you found it as enjoyable uh, and useful episode as I have done. Um, and do reach out to Fred if you want to get any more details. He's always very good at sharing insights and knowledge. <laughs>